everybody and welcome to Back to Front with me, your host, Sally Bolton. This is a show where we get to turn the tables on Midnight McBride. We get to ask a series of questions which he is not allowed to see prior to filming. So anything goes. Oh my God. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Patrick. Yes. How are you feeling? Nervous. Are you? you? (laughs) A little bit, yeah. Are you? Yeah. Have you done your hair and makeup for today? I have, yes. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) I am actually. The first time in whatever, 40 odd shows. Yeah. I'm a little bit nervous because I'm not in charge. I know. Yeah. So what was your intention behind this before we start? Well, although... When I do a show, sometimes I talk more than the guest anyway, which is probably evident. Do you? Yes, I do, yes. (laughs) But it wasn't my idea, actually. Um, Sandy Holt, Wesley Dyson, Liam Brown all came back to me and said, how's about we flip the tables? And I don't know whether you suggested it to me or not, but then what I did is I discussed with the video editor um, which guests we thought would be the best to do this with, Mm. and it was the ones that asked, right. you know, and the guests that when we did the show, they were very easy to edit. We felt like they flowed easily. Yeah. And the guests that I thought would push the boundaries a little bit, be a bit cheeky and mm. it'd be fun. So I thought, yeah. And yeah, I'm up for it, whatever. That sounds yeah. exciting. Yeah. That was going to be my question is how did you choose then your, the guys that are going to interview you? Because you've, yeah. chosen, you've chosen four, haven't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. There's four. There's Liam Brown, <clears throat> Wesley Dyson, Sandy Holt and yourself. And either... They were very, very easy shows to do. The last show I did with you, which was four or five shows ago, mm. was virtually no editing whatsoever because the conversation flowed. I spoke, you spoke, I spoke, you mm. spoke, and it was a lot of fun. So I thought that'd be good. And also, I want somebody that's comfortable in front of the camera. Yeah. And it's a trial, so you might as well make it easy at the beginning. You know, get the, get the people you think it's going to be easiest yeah. with. And... Liam had loads of fun doing the shows with Liam. I've done yeah. two shows with Wes as well, and they've been a lot of fun. And he knows me probably better than most. And I so, believe so. Some, so he, some interesting stories going to come out there, we'll, do you think, Patrick? We'll see how that goes, yeah. <laughs> and Sandy, when I did the interviews with Sandy, when I did the first interviews with Sandy, everybody said that it was, you know, they really easy. It just flowed. Yeah. So, so, yeah, it was sort of by natural evolution i suppose it was just easy to pick the first four to go with and see how it yeah. goes have you yeah. had any divas yet any divas <laughs> yeah. this isn't even on I my can't. question list i'm just really interested <laughs> i can't really say can i <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes <laughs> <laughs> you have to remain diplomatic yeah i'd say i'd have two divas that have been on here were and by diva i just mean people that maybe come in and think they're going to tell me how they're going to do the show and it's my show (laughs) (laughs) my show yeah Yeah. no I've been really lucky I've had loads of nice guests everybody's it's a great platform and in the process of doing this and doing what I love I get to meet all these amazing people so I'm the luckiest guy in the world yeah how cool is that though not many people can say that yeah I I come in here I don't know how long it'll last for I'm winging it I never know what's around the corner but for now I'm okay I'm good for a while yeah and I'll keep coming in. The money will run out at some point, but, you know, the university seems to provide things just when you need them. Yeah. And, yeah, I come in here each day. Part of it, There's a lot of it that's repetitive, that the editing, the edit notes, the social media side of it. And if I'm doing two or three shows a week, it's massively time-consuming. And, and I've got to say, that can be a bit of a grind sometimes. Yeah, yeah. But the filming part, I love it. Yeah. And there may be a point where Noel, the editor, can take on more... Uh, involving actually running the channel and things, and then I can just film. And if yeah. I can do that, 
yeah, every day will be bliss. So what's know? the big dream then, like, with all this? Well, have you got one? I have a short-term dream, I suppose, and that's initially, and it wasn't why we set out, and it's not the end game, but it would be very nice if this channel became monetized. And mm. I don't know if you've watched, but over the last, even just over the last seven days, the subscribers have gone up from 129. I think we're on 360 in seven days. Wow, that's amazing. I've spoke to somebody, and I'm hoping that, you know, within the next couple of months, we may end up getting monetized. That's what we're hoping for. And that'd be, that's not the goal, but it'd be a very nice, you know, spin-off. It'd be nice to get a little bit of something back in from doing it, you know. Yeah. That'd be good. The end game, there isn't one. It's like with the book. You don't write a book because you want to make money at it. You do it because you love it. It's, yeah. It's just, I love doing it. I enjoy it. I like meeting the people I meet. And I'll just see where it goes. Brilliant, brilliant. Yeah. Well, this is your first one, so shall we Shall we crack on? All right, yeah. So what I decided was, Patrick, I've put a lot of thought into this. <laughs> okay. And we, we both know, because we've done two shows together now, yeah. but you quite like a little bit of debate. You quite like to get your, your voice yeah. across. If it's something I'm passionate about, right. then I'm on it. Yeah, That's yeah. it. So I thought, it's, it's a game of two halves, really, today. Okay. <laughs> so the first part, we're going to go a little bit more serious. Yes. Yeah. And then... Well, we've had quite a few chats now. We're both quite cheeky and like a bit of a laugh. So the second half is a little bit more lighthearted. Okay, that sounds good. So that's yeah, all right. Yeah. So I'm going to go straight in. Question number one. So, okay. So, <laughs> are you ready? Yeah, go on. Boris Johnson. Yes. He's just about to come around this corner and join us. Okay. He's going to sit down, socially distanced, away. What would you like to say to him? Quit your job. Quit. Leave now. Stop what you're doing. You've mismanaged things. Whether you take on board or believe the official narrative or not, either way, even assuming that you believe everything you've been told, it's been terribly managed. He's the guy at the top in theory. He's in charge. It's been a shambles and he should resign. That's what I'd say. There wouldn't be very many nice words, you know. I know he might seem on the face of it a very likeable, nice guy and I think that's why he got the job. Not because he's of his prowess and he's a fantastic leader. People mm. liked him. Did they? I think a lot of people <clears> did. <throat> yeah. Um, he's like a bit of a bumbling fool, but likeable, you know. Mm. But that's putting that to one side. We've got bigger fish to fry here. Mm. You know, it's important what happens. History is being determined every day that passes now. It's critical what happens over the next weeks and months. And there's other people that could do it better, in my opinion. Who would those people be? Well, me, obviously. <laughs> um, I don't have those answers, but for a start, there's politicians making decisions who aren't qualified to do so mm. with this current situation. And if you've heard Dr. Mike Yeadon speak, mm. he's done a couple of brilliant speaks. He's considered to be one of the eminent scientists, one of the world leading experts in this field. Yep. And he quite openly says all of SAGE should be fired immediately. Mm. They've been mismanaged. We shouldn't be in lockdown. We shouldn't be wearing masks and we shouldn't be socially distancing. It's not effective. Mm. This is what he says. And he's not been challenged on it because, to be honest, I think the other scientists know he's the daddy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Nobody wants to take him on because he is, you know, the, the man when it comes to this. And so who they are, I don't know, but people like Mike Eden should be involved because this is their playing field. This yeah. is what they know. <clears throat> You've got politicians making decisions and not very good ones, I don't think. So there is this video, and I, we were talking about this before, yeah. and we have actually seen the video. I've not watched it all the way through, but why do you think then that he's not highly involved in what's going on at the moment? Well, because it doesn't serve their agenda. 
they want people who are yes men. They want people. I believe there's, let's say that there's a virus and let's say that this virus, you know, is, is causing a lot of problems, killing people and stuff. Okay, let's take that narrative. Then the way it's been dealt with, I think has been used to serve political means, you know, the way it's been approached. And the people that have been chosen to make these decisions, uh, people on the SAGE panel, for example, people like this, they've been chosen because they're the yes men, mm. you know. He's not a yes man. He cares yeah. about the people. If you watch the video, he's clearly compassionate. He cares yeah. about what happens. And he's at great risk to himself and his mm. career and stuff. He stood up and said, no. This is not right. It yeah. shouldn't be happening. Yeah. And I, you know, I salute him. You know, what a guy. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's an interesting video. And recommend anyone to go and just at least watch it with an open mind. Yeah, this yeah. is what I put a post on Facebook. Yeah. And I love everybody. Yeah. Wearing a mask, not wearing a mask, what your beliefs. That, that doesn't change how I feel about everybody. The mm -hmm. people in my circle, the people around me, I love them. And I choose to spend my time with them. I don't spend my time with people I don't like. You know, yeah. I love them all. And the post I put on said, basically, it doesn't matter what you think. Mm. You've got to look at both sides of the argument. That's exactly what I did. I, I, I've not got it all figured out. Yeah. I don't have all the answers. And so I have to look at both sides of the coin. You need all the information to make an informed decision. Yeah. And whatever your opinions, this guy, if you listen to him, you'd understand that he cares. You'd also listen that he's clearly one of the most highly qualified mm. people to make these decisions. Yeah. 35 years as a scientist, as a world-leading scientist. 20 years, I believe, as a, uh, a director or CEO of Pfizer. That's right. Very prominent in the industry. Um, an expert in respiratory issues, you know, yeah, um, yeah. respiratory problems and expert in viruses and the transmission of viruses and all these kind of things. Anybody should watch this Make your own mind up, but yep. at least see what he has to say. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> absolutely. Because you might be surprised. I think a great thing is when you, if you consolidate and you think you've formed your opinion, this is the first question. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and I was hoping we weren't going political, but it's done now. <laughs> no, told you I was going in yeah. hard first. <laughs> if you're going to form an opinion and then you're not willing to change it and you become rigid, then everything in this world, you have to remain flexible because if you think you've figured something out and you think you know it all, you know nothing, you've got to be willing to change. Things change, things evolve. Yeah. So I, I have formed an opinion on the information that I've experienced and read and consumed over the last month, few months, but my opinion might change. You have yeah. to remain open because people make mistakes, people get things wrong. Yeah. But in order for that to be the case, you have to be, you have to keep the door open and you have to keep looking at what's out there. Absolutely. And so if you watch this video, I think it's on YouTube and if you tap in unlock, because it's unlock is the actual people that filmed it. Right. Uh, unlock Mike Eden and yeah. it's about 30 minutes long. Mm. Well, if you've got to lose, watch it, have a look. And exactly. if you don't want to, then that's fine too. But it definitely, definitely had an impact on me. Definitely. So talking of Facebook posts, yes. tell me about Dick. Oh, yes. Right. <laughs> yes. There was a post. Yes. And I referenced, I won't go through the whole post because it could, you know, it could be offensive and it definitely wasn't meant to be offensive. It was meant to be funny. But... Yeah, the post was about something, if you do this, if you do that, then this guy was called Dick, and at the end it says, don't be a dick. And it was <laughs> supposed to be funny. That's that's all it's supposed to be. I think 
I say in the post, it's really important sometimes when your world's being turned upside down and there's lots of trauma and you're experiencing dark times, humour and laughter is sometimes the thin thread that keeps you sane. You know, mm. you really need to be able to laugh at things. Don't take everything too seriously, especially when things get dark. And then underneath, somebody put something, a comment, and I went, but I still love Dick. And, and, and what I meant was that I still love everybody, you uh -huh. know, and of course that got misinterpreted. <laughs> and it got really? a lot of likes. <laughs> but yeah, I put, uh, I still love Dick. That was, <laughs> I <think> wasn't, <laughs> I, I, I posted it first and then I thought, Oh no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I realised what it actually read. Uh, but then it had started, all the following comments had come, yeah, so you just it, have to let it go. It was kind of too late by yeah, that point, wasn't it, Patrick? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You know for next time, though, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> if I'm going to love Dick, then I maybe need to <laughs> word it differently. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh. oh, dear. Right. Well, I don't want <laughs> I don't know if I want to continue with this line of questioning. <laughs> Moving swiftly on. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to talk about your past too much because I think possibly some of the other guests will do it's, that it'll get covered yeah yeah but we you and i have a common interest in training yeah so i know that you used to be a bit of a hench bodybuilder in the past i was a lot bigger then yeah i was yeah yeah 15 plus stone and and i pumped up on steroids yeah. and i was um yeah i did weights all the time yeah. yeah and obviously you've now transitioned into ultra marathon running yeah crazy crazy yeah so i just want to know a little bit about Kind of that journey, really, because that's quite a different, it's quite extreme, is it, going from one from one to the other. So just really, because you know we're both interested in training, I'd like to know a little bit more about, yeah, about that. Yeah, I, th I think the way that went was, I was always about how I looked. Yeah. That was my priority. How old were you back then? Uh, well, I started training probably in my 20s, and then I started taking steroids when I got to, I don't know, late 20s, 30. I took yeah. steroids for about 10 years. Yeah. And my priority was to get as big as possible, mm. you know, which Hench. was difficult because you're training and all week you put in, you put four pound on and then you go out and party for two or three days <laughs> and you'll lose three pound. So Just I should have been sweat. 20 stone, but, <laughs> but I never quite got there because I did a lot of partying as well. But then, you know, you, you go through, I went through my nervous breakdown, midlife crisis, whatever you want to call it. I realized that probably the steroids were not where I wanted to go. Yeah. I wanted to get healthy and I became more about the mind rather than the physicality and the body and how I, more about how I felt and being healthy than how I looked, which a lot of people go through that transition as they get later on in yeah. life. And it all changed. And then, yeah, so now I do the ultra running. The problem is I don't do any strength and conditioning, which I, I need to start doing because there's a balance. Mm -hmm. Somebody told me, I'm talking to somebody very recently and you know who they are, <laughs> that I need to, one of the biggest things that I need to figure out is balance because I'm extreme right I do everything to extreme even now it may be good extremes you know the show writing a book uh, ultra running they're all healthy addictions you might say but yeah. I'm still extreme mm -hmm. and if anybody knew with the show I'm I come in you know I, this morning I was here at four o'clock some nights I go home at 11 o'clock at night I'm trying not to work weekends but I had to work Saturday and Sunday last weekend it's not going great then at the moment, well, is it? It's, it's going well. It's just <laughs> the healthy addictions. And so you move in that direction. Yeah. So the ultra running, now it's not about how I look. It's about 
it becomes meditative. You go into an endurance sport. Once you're an hour in, you focus on your breath. Mm. All my problems disappear. I become fully present in the moment, using the realm of the five senses. I'm in nature. It's yeah. just beautiful, mm. you know. So that was the transition. My mind changed, and then my outward world changed, and that included what I was doing with my body. Yeah. You know, that all goes together. So you just mentioned the word balance there. Like, for you now going forward, like, what does that look like? And have you got a next challenge in mind? Yes, of course. Yeah, I always constantly expanding and growing. That's how you evolve. You get outside your comfort zone. I talk about Iron Man. I did Iron Man for the first time, the only time, but I did it. When was that? In 2017, I think. And yeah. I did the Iron Man. I say the first time because once I'd done it, for me then, it wasn't a challenge anymore. You can do something and you can improve your time. You can get better and better. But you pretty much got it in the bag. You know you can do it. So what you're doing for me is you're polishing it. Yeah. A challenge is when there's a very real possibility of failure, when you're getting well outside your comfort zone. And that's what I did. That's why I went to ultra running because out the Ironman, the weakest discipline for me was the running. So I thought, yep. okay, that's what I'm going to do next. Yeah. What I'll do next is... I'm hoping to next year anyway, if I can find the time, it's all about balance because there's a lot of training, you know, with ultra running, you're not training half an hour every morning. You've no. got to put four or five hour runs in and regularly, you know, a few times a week. But yeah. I'd like to do a much longer run, you know, going 215 miles and above. That's that's what I want to do. What, in one go? Yeah. The thing is, though, when you go over 100 miles, if you do 100, you just do it in one hit, boom. When you go to 180, 215 or higher then you will factor in some sleep. So say you did it in four days. Yeah. On the second night, you might have two hours sleep. On the third night, you might have two hours sleep. So you might have, say, four hours sleep over four days. You factor in a small amount of rest. Right. But, but yeah, I mean, it's in one, I suppose. <laughs> it's quite extreme, though, isn't it, to be fair? Well, yeah, but, but that's it. I, I want to know, can I do that? And I want to test myself. And it's when you're in the dark places, when you really, really push the boat out, you know, and you overcome those fears and anxieties and those negative thoughts, that's when you that's when you're really growing as a human being. You know? So that's very much mind. It's all then, about isn't the mind. It? It's all about the yeah. mind. You get to a certain level with ultra running and then beyond that, you can improve, you'll get your cardio better, you know, you can get a little bit quicker. But to be honest, you'll get once you get to a place where you've got a sustainable rhythm that you yeah. can keep going, then it's you're gonna be in pain. Can you override the pain with the power of your mind? Mm. That's the question. Can you push through? And if you can do that, you'll probably be a good ultra running. Amazing. Have you, has sport always been part of your life? I know we spoke about this because obviously you've asked me the same question, but has sport always been quite a big part of your life then? Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously I did a bit of running at school, football, rugby. Football when I was used to go to the pub. And this is funny, we used to go in a pub called Fanny's. And on the football <laughs> top, it said, real men come in Fanny's. <laughs> on, on the, on the football, yeah, yeah, it's hilarious, isn't it? Uh, so that was funny. And then... As I was younger, I used to fight all the time. Fight? Uh, fight. Right. I'd get drunk. I'd have little tolerance. I'd always say I'd never start trouble. But what now would seem uh, a small a small act, like not saying thank you or spilling my pint or something, yeah. when I was in my 20s, that for me was justification to beat you up. You know, and that happened every weekend. I was fighting all the time. Yeah. You know? And anybody that knows me knows, you know, you've probably seen it at some point. I had... A, I'd snap at nothing, you know, and yeah. I was angry. Yeah. From that then, I learned that discipline and martial arts was the way forward with that to mm. get a handle on it. Mm. So you could still spend that energy, get rid of a bit of the anger maybe, but you'd learn to 
control your breathing, you'd learn discipline and you'd learn actually to to manage yourself better, mm. you know, so that I didn't react like that. Yeah. And that's when I went into MMA and cage fighting as well, you know. Yeah. So that was, that was a good period because yeah. I really learned to sort of a little bit of a degree of self-mastery about my behavior and my violence and my anger, right. you know, and, and learned other ways to get rid of it. Yeah, yeah. in healthy ways. Exactly, not Absolutely. hurting other people. Patrick, yes. tell me, what commitments have you made in the past that you no longer believe in? Uh, good question, Sally. Yeah. I think off the top of my head, I'd probably say the body stat for vows. People that know me quite well know that at one time I was seriously considering becoming a Buddhist monk. So I mm. took my body stat for vows. I mm. spent months on retreat at Manjushri. I did a lot of retreats and I did silent retreats and mm. I studied Buddhism and the texts in, you know, in quite a lot of depth. And I used to know what, I could explain to you what the 10,000 armed Avalitish Kishvara is and Man, Mahamudra and all these things. And, yeah. now, and now I can't remember so well, but yeah, now it doesn't mean that I might go back to that one day, I don't yeah. know, but I decided then that it maybe wasn't for me at that time. Mm. And I decided to go back into the matrix. So I spent months self-healing really, because yeah. I'd had a nervous breakdown. Mm. And... Yeah, after doing a bit of work, a lot of meditation, yeah, I decided that I was going to come back into this world and get re-engage, you know, and yeah. there were lots of things I wanted to do. So, yeah, the Buddhist app for vows properly because I, I still meditate, but yeah. for five years, I never missed a day. I never missed a single day. I meditated yeah. morning and night. Did you really? Yeah, and I was, yeah. I was very, very peaceful, whereas now... I'm a little bit more edgy because I'm right. um, <laughs> back in this uh, this soup. Yeah. How does that make you feel then, knowing that that's what you used to do and kind of you, you're in a slightly different place now? I want to get back to that place. Yeah. But it's very difficult to sustain that and stay in this this peaceful area. I mean, yeah. I'm not talking about being peaceful generally. I mean, I'm talking about being in bliss all yeah. the time and yeah. being very pure, you know, spiritual. It's hard to maintain that and do a video podcast and a radio show sure. and write a book and deal with friends and family mm. and things. So mm. that's why a lot of monks, you know, there are some obviously engaged with society, yeah. you know, but a lot of them are at monasteries and in retreats and yeah. stuff because to become, to develop your spiritual practice as the whole point of a retreat, it's to mm. step back from mm. normal life, Yeah, you know, yeah. and yeah, I want to go back to that. I'd love to go back to it, but. Not just yet. I'm quite busy and enjoying what I'm doing. You are very busy. Mm. And the meditation, that's how we thats how we actually met. It is, yes. And I remember it, seeing your smiley face, your <laughs> ray of sunshine appear at one of the sessions. It yeah. was. It was a Sunday afternoon and I, and I was not in a good place back then. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I came to this little meditation group. And and I'll tell you now, I was, I was in awe of you that day. Really? Yeah. I was just, I was almost like I was sat there like a little girl, like just watching this amazing guy talk oh. about his meditation and his journey. And where, did, where was that one? It know. was a little cafe. Oh, what was the little cafe Healthy called? Healthy Indulgence mm, Cafe. Yes, that's yeah. the one. Yeah, yeah Dawn, that's the one. Dawn's place, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so yeah. I left feeling very peaceful probably that day because yeah. you taught us a few meditations but yeah I was very lucky when I was teaching meditation and I've I've only done the odd class last year and it basically if I'm approached um there's never money involved if it's for somebody a group of people that need 
need help or want to learn to meditate, for example, then then I'll usually do it. But it's not the norm for me now. And yeah, I did it to a point. I took it to a certain level, and I was at eighty twenty. I had classes of a couple of classes there where there were seventy people in the class. You yeah. know, and oh, wow. <laughs> I did fourteen venues. I was going all over as far as Rochdale, Manchester, Bolton, Chorley, Preston, all over the place. You were in demand. I was. Yeah, I was actually, but then I decided I wanted to do the book, and so I mm. stepped back from mm. doing that for a while. You know? Yeah, well, mm. there's always time yet, Patrick, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, but I think I have to, I need constantly to do new things, I need yes. new challenges, and although the meditation something, I'm, I'm very glad it's part of my journey, teaching the meditation, but yeah, there's other things I want to do as well. So if you were to go back to a certain point in your life, where would it be? And what would you say to yourself? Right. Yeah, it would probably be, it's drug related. And yep. I think, there's a few things I always say. Number one is that I don't think taking drugs is a crime. Okay, maybe it is the legalities there, but as far as I'm concerned, it shouldn't be a crime. What you put in your body should be your choice. And some of the things you put in your body are good for you, some aren't good for you. Still your choice. You're a sovereign being and you should be able to decide what you put in your body. Some people take drugs and certainly if they're taking them infrequently and certain kinds of drugs, you know, even plant medicines, for example, then I don't see that as a problem. Other people take drugs on a regular basis and if it's um, certain kinds of drugs, I don't smoke cannabis, but some people do. I don't see that generally as a major problem. I think it's far better than drinking, for example. But then you've got your other drugs like cocaine and obviously crack, spice, heroin, things like this. Mm. They're very damaging. <laughs> I yeah. still don't think you're a criminal. You might need help, mm. but you're not a criminal. Mm. You know, you're just somebody, for whatever reason, you're on a self-destructive path and you mm. need advice and help and mm. encouragement. You don't want putting in a jail cell. That just seems crazy to me. If I could go back to myself... The journey with drugs for me started off, and it was all fun at first. You yeah. know, I was clubbing, <laughs> festivals, raving. It yep. was all fun. Then I got into my 30s and probably early 30s, and then it became more destructive where I was very unhappy. Mm. And consequently, I started taking more drugs and stronger drugs. And I'd go back and shake myself and probably just stop to taking the drugs 10 years before I did. Yeah. You know, if I could do that, I'm... I could have done a lot more with my life up to this point. But then again, it's part of my journey. I probably had to go through those lessons mm. to learn. And that's given me the the knowledge and wisdom I have now to either fix myself or help others. Exactly. And I was just about to say, make that same point. I think whatever you go through in life, it's all part of your journey, isn't it? And I, and I believe the things that I've been through, whilst they've not been great, it's definitely been it's happened to me for a reason so yeah. you can pass that knowledge on you can pass that wisdom on so you wouldn't be the same sally bolton you are now if you'd not had the trials and tribulations exactly. and the trauma yeah because of those they've made you stronger and they've made you the person you are so that maybe you can recognize somebody mm. that's going through that and there's a lady who i've just got off the phone to from ireland actually i speak yep. to her once a week now and she's having problems she read my book listened to my audio book and she messaged me and I thought, I will make time for this lady. Ah, she's your number one fan, Patrick. Wow. <laughs> and <laughs> she then, I've scheduled a call with her weekly now when we have a little five, ten minute chat. She tells me how she's getting on because she's got a few issues that were very similar to some of mine at one point. Mm. And yeah, you've got the skill set now, Sally, where you can recognise or help people that 
going to go through what you've been through yeah. and you can say, well, it's not good, but yeah. I got through it this way. You can yeah. share your <clears throat> lessons, can't you? you know? And there's no judgment as well. And I think that's the one thing that I notice when I'm working with clients. I always, that's one of the first things I say, look, there's no judgment here. There's mm. none at all. Tell me what's going on. Tell me what's happening. Tell me how you've been feeling. And I think that puts people at ease straight away. Yeah. A, a good point there I'd make is, I regularly liaise with two or three homeless people. I talk to them, uh, give them money as well. But, you know, I talk to them, spend a little bit of time with them. Mm. There's one guy that I'm speaking to at the minute. Now, he smokes spice and he gets drunk. Now, a lot of people are judging for that and say, I'm not giving him money because he's spending it on drink. Mm. If I was on the streets and I was freezing my nads off, mm. I'd probably take drugs. So you've not to judge. These, mm. these people, and most of them have got mental health problems or they've yeah. had a lot of trauma. Yeah. And that's why they're in the position they're in. So to say that, you know, I'm not giving them money because it's for drugs. It's one of the few choices they have left. Yeah. You give them the money. They might spend it on drugs. They might spend it on alcohol. They might spend it on food, but yeah. they can choose that. And if they want to have a drink and they're in that situation, so what? Yeah. You know, I'd probably do the same. Yeah. Actually, you've made me think about that because when, and I get asked. Do you know what I've just realised? Go on. My glasses were on crunky like that for the last 10 minutes. I don't <laughs> <laughs> Uh, nothing I can do about that. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I interrupted you, Sarah. It's all right. No, you've just made me think because whenever I get approached by a homeless person and they ask me for money, I often say to them, would you like some food? But now you've kind of made me think now that, you know what, it's actually none of my business. Yeah. If I choose to give them money, then it's entirely up to well, them what they yeah. choose to do with it then. Think of it like this. If 10 people give to them that day and they all give them food and they get 10 butties, they only need two. Yeah. <laughs> so there's only so much food you can give somebody. And I think it probably just feels they've got some choice left in life, some freedom. Yeah. makes them empowered just a little bit. And like I said, if they want to spend it on booze, that's fine. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I don't feel bad about giving them, even if they're going to spend it on booze, because yeah. like I say especially in the winter when it's yeah. really cold, being on drugs or drink or whatever probably numbs the pain and yeah. and it's their choice. Exactly. You know, so. Yeah, exactly. Thank you for that. I'm going to remember that next time I see okay. person. <laughs> so I know that you read quite a lot, don't you? I do. So I want to know then in that case, because I know that you're you've you've read many books so you yes. know lots of authors yes so i want to know what your who are your top five authors great question one i really want to answer aha yes <laughs> Ooh. okay i don't really read fiction but yeah. there is one exception only one one exception and that's paulo coelho and he's the author of the alchemist which is one of the best-selling books of all time and it's about a young boy that goes to egypt looking for treasure. And at the end, I won't spoil it for you, but he realises that the treasure was there all along and mm. it's within. It is a beautiful story with wonderful characters and it's so descriptive. Even though it's on paper, you can experience sounds and smells by yeah. description. It's beautiful. And he also wrote The Devil and Mrs. Prim, which is this book that's built up and it's got this anticipation. And I, I don't think I've ever had a book get me excited before. Mm. You know, so... Paolo Coelho, the only fictional author I read. Yep. Everything else is to do with wisdom um, and possibly self-help. You call it psychology as well, things like this. Wayne Dyer, absolutely on the oh, top of my list. He's, oh. he's written, um, I, I don't know the final figure when he died, but I was very sad the day he died as well. Yeah, it really was upset. a sad day that. Yeah. But I think he wrote 36, between 36 and 40 books, something like that. But And I'd read... A, probably a lot of those books you mm. know not probably not every single one yeah. but 
beautiful man and he's a great stepping stone. If you dive straight into, for example, Sadhguru or uh, Patanjali, these are yogic mystics. Mm. It's probably a bit difficult to just grasp that at the beginning. This guy is somewhere in between. He's not enlightened, but he's very, very wise, a beautiful yeah. soul, yeah. very spiritual. And if you read his books, it's a great stepping stone on your spiritual journey. It's one of the guys that got me on that path. Yeah. You know, fantastic. Eckhart Tolle, or Eckhart Tolle. Oh, yes. He, his first book, The Power of Now. Yeah. I've got all of these. I've got an audio book, by the mm. way, as well. That's a great book, yeah, actually. Yeah. yeah, great book. He... Eckhart Tolle had a nervous breakdown when he was younger, and that's how he got his wisdom and experienced, you know, enlightenment or different states of consciousness. And so it didn't happen on purpose. It happened by accident. Mm. But his wisdom is very profound, and the power of now has changed millions of people's lives. And just by bringing your attention inwards, it's, it's sort of a, a meditation, really, but bringing your attention inwards and just detracting, switching off from the external noise and becoming still. Mm. You can solve most of your problems mm. yourself. You've got that toolkit. You, yeah. All the answers you've got are within. It's just sometimes you need reminding. Yeah, you know, absolutely. You need to know where to look. <laughs> so we've had Paolo Coelho, Wayne Dyer, Eckhart Tolle. Eckhart Tolle. I'd probably follow in. This is a, a bit of a wild card, but Alan Carr, not the comedian, <laughs> wrote a book and it's called, um, I think it's called The Easy Way. Alan Carr's Easy Way and he's a psychologist. And... It is the most effective way to stop smoking. Forget your patches, forget your things you suck on. The vapes. Of, yeah, all of this. <coughs> this book has helped somewhere in the region, I think it's between 80 and 100 million people stop smoking for good. And the book is a psychologist and the way, rather than trying to just fight the addiction from mm. nicotine, yeah. he changes the way you think about it. And remember, all our reality, everything is self-created. Our mind yeah. creates our reality. So if you can think about a cigarette in a different way and decide that, actually, I don't want that, yeah, then people stop. A lot of people read the book and don't read the last chapter because they know when you read the last chapter, you light up a cigarette, put it out, mm -hmm. and that's the last cigarette you're ever going to have. Oh. <laughs> and so they get to the last chapter and never finish it. But, yeah, very clever man. He's passed as well now, but not... On my normal kind of reading list, but yeah, brilliant. And then possibly maybe Geshe Kelsang Gyatso, who's the founder of the Nukadam tradition in this country. So him, he and the Dalai Lama studied under, and I can't pronounce it correctly, but Rinipok was the teacher, and then the Dalai Lama obviously became the leader of Tibet, and. Geshe Kelsangyatso came over to the UK and founded the New Kadampa tradition. And he's written, again, 30 to 40 books, I think. They're the, the text for the New Kadampa tradition. I've studied most of his books. He, I think he's in his 90s now, and he very, very rarely makes a public appearance. He's mm. still alive, yeah. but a beautiful soul. Mm. And they reckon, or so I've read, that, you know, in Star Wars, Yoda. Yes. Yeah, and he says easy it was and all this kind of thing yeah. that if he speaks he speaks in the opposite tense like that and yeah. you reckon Yoda was based on Geshe Kelsan really? yes because he's a very he's, he's, a, he's just a beautiful little man and has when he speaks he speaks but his sentences are sometimes back to front and yeah. it sounds like that you know, oh, so. how lovely. Mm. Oh, that's amazing. So do you still read a lot now or, or because I know you're really busy with lots of stuff at the moment. Is it something that's 
kind of not as much or yeah I read occasionally not yeah. I used to read avidly it was I just read 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 yeah but I had more time on my hands yeah uh, life is about balance mm-hmm. as somebody told me recently and time management so now it's audiobooks because if I'm yeah. in the car yeah or I don't generally if I'm running I don't listen to music but sometimes if I'm walking I listen to an audiobook but you can do other things whilst you're listening to an audiobook yeah and the best thing is if you're on a car journey a long car journey, I can do a book. Yeah. You know, five, yeah. six hours, something That's like that. That's the beauty of yeah. audio books now, mm. isn't it? It's it's easier yeah, to do exactly. an audio book. So, exactly. So I don't read as much, but audio books, yes. Brilliant. I do a lot of those. Now, you just mentioned music there. Yes. So I know <laughs> that you and I have got another thing in common. We're both big lovers of music. Yeah. Um, we both recently, I purchased, and you've listened to the <laughs> Manchester Made Me Funky. Oh, my God. Dongle. <laughs> Yeah. It's awesome, isn't it? It is amazing. And you listened to it with me, didn't you, Sally? I did. Yeah, it was amazing. Awesome. It just yeah. it took me back to those good old days when we were all out, you know, in we were all out. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really miss that. I miss... It's funny. When I could, I didn't. And now I can't. I want I to. I really miss clubbing. And so bad. When we're on the other side of this uh, situation... I desperately want to go to a festival. I'm telling you, there's going to be one hell of a party somewhere. I'm going to go back to Glastonbury, take all my clothes off and dance around the stone circle in the moonlight like I did last time. We need pictures. (laughs) We need photo evidence. Uh, Yes, there was was no photographic evidence. But yeah, I'd lost everybody. I went to Glastonbury, lost everybody. Yeah. Obviously, I was high for the whole weekend and I'm not ashamed of that. And I loved it. It was fun. And I'd lost everybody. And I heard this drumming in the distance. And I thought, ooh, what's that? And I could see these lights in the distance. And at the top of this hill, there's a stone circle. So I, I thought, well, I, you know, I'll just go and have a look. You Went were up. drawn to it. Yeah. People were like ripping the clothes off and everybody's dancing around this day. And I thought, <laughs> I am having some of that. And I didn't know anybody. So it's not so bad because it doesn't matter what you look like <laughs> yeah. when you don't know anybody, does no it? No cares. Yeah. So off I went, and then a few hours later, I found my friends, and uh, you know, I didn't tell them what I'd been doing. But... You kept that one to yourself, did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, next time we need photo evidence, for right. sure, for sure. <laughs> anyway, so I'm going to ask you a series of questions. It's all about music. So yeah. I'm going to set you a little scenario, okay? and you're going to come up with your favourite song or the first thing that comes into your head. Sure. Yeah? So the first one we're going to go with is It's a Nice Sunny Day. Yeah. You and your little mini. You've got your shades on. Yeah. You got the window down. Yeah. You're driving to the beach. What tune is playing? I'm playing DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince Summertime. Yes. Absolutely. It's the ultimate summer record. There's a few. Yeah. But that's my favourite. I also like get, getting jiggy with it, Will Smith as well. Yeah. I think that's great, which is uh, actually from The Greatest Dancer. It's sampled, isn't it? That is a tune, isn't it? It's a, just a big tune. And Fantastic, do you know what? It yeah. never gets... Never gets old. Whenever no. it comes on on the radio, it's like you just turn Crank up the up, volume. Crank it up, open the windows, the sunshine. It's Amazing. Just, yeah, absolutely. Amazing, definitely, definitely. Okay, song number two. Yes. We're in the club. All right. The DJ drops the record. Yeah. You turn around, you run onto the dance floor. It's your tune. What is it? Okay. It would be Bonfong MCs and Freestyler. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Now, it's not an out-and-out dance record. It's somewhere between sort of, I don't know, a funky dance record. But it's not what you'd hear in a lot of clubs. Yeah. But I went to Ibiza, last time we were in Ibiza. 
And we went in a club and there was nobody there. Yeah. And there was a group of us walked in, probably, I think there was about eight or ten of us uh-huh. walked in. And I went to the DJ and said, I want to hear this song. He said, well, I haven't got it. I said, well, I'm telling you now, if you play that song for me, we'll fill this place. <laughs> and because in Ibiza, a lot of the clubs as you walk past, you can see it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So he downloaded it. I persuaded him to download it off the internet onto yeah. a dongle, stuck it into the back of his decks, and he played it. And we all went mental. We went tits. <laughs> and everybody walked past, and people started coming in. By yeah. the end of that record, the club was full. There was about no 200 way. people from about 10. Honestly. That actually happened. We were there. It was, and everybody was jumping up and down. Yeah. Do you I know mean, the track? I do know the mm. track. And it's the amazing the energy that, mm. and this is why I love, and this is why we both love music, isn't it? The yeah. energy that you get from. What's brilliant about it, uh, Bon Funk MC's Freestyler, the intro to it is about over a minute long, but it's like Western music, like so like country Western music. So you listen to it and you think, what the hell is he playing? And then it goes, <laughs> and then it kicks in. Freestyle kicks in from the top of my dome. Yeah, awesome. I love that tune. That's quite old school, isn't it? But I love it. Okay, song number three. It's early morning. You know you've got to get up and go for a run. You put your little ear. Phones in. You're going for your long run. What tune do you play to get you up and in the mood? Okay, Bill Withers' "Lovely Day." Oh, now that's random. I was not expecting you to mm, say that. Yeah, something. I think so. Yeah, that's. It's a really feel-good record. I, I listen to that, that and I think, yeah, I love just just that. a nice energy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So would that get you up and running? Would it get well, you in the mood. Yeah, maybe if I really needed to get up and get going I'd be putting something a bit more hardcore on I suppose um hmm I don't know maybe some some rap as well I, I listen to a lot of rap oh, you know you? as well I listen to classical yeah. I listen to a lot of instrumental I listen to a lot of chill out music yeah I like some poppy stuff that I won't admit in public S Club 7 love ain't gonna wait for you now I know what you're thinking S Club 7 however <laughs> I got a lot of people back to my apartment and I used to have a pad and every time we went out clubbing we'd all pile back to mine and there'd be anywhere between 10 and 20 people back mm-hmm. at mine yeah. and we'd all get dressed up we'd have the tunes on it was the fun times yeah but we went back and i played this track and i told everybody i said just listen to it yeah. and everybody was up dancing yeah only when i told them who it was after with the like <laughs> what you're doing and that nobody knew it was s club seven it was it's a really good dance track oh it's a dance yeah. track is it yeah it's a dance track oh i've not heard that one but you've got to put it out your mind because we label s club seven yeah. you think no but if i played it you and i hadn't told you who it was you yeah. wouldn't know oh really good and it's called love ain't gonna wait for you and it's beautiful lyrics in fact sally after this show i'm gonna play it for you i was just about to say right. i've got to hear it now right. i can play it it's on my right. ipad that's a deal that's okay. a deal but s club seven yeah in the club um okay so now we're talking you're feeling a little bit teary you kind of just a little bit sad what's the song that really kind of just gets you right there okay um there's a few. Teardrops, uh, Womack and Womack, because that reminds me of the first sort of, probably the first girl I thought I fell in love with at the time. Yeah, how old? Um, she was older than me. Well, she now, she how was. old? Uh, older. <laughs> how old? Uh, I don't know exactly. Uh, <laughs> about, I think she's about two years older than me at the time, and I was um, 15 or 16, yeah. something like that. Uh, but she also had was seeing somebody else I didn't know. Right. She had a boyfriend. Yeah. And she broke it off, and I was devastated at the time. Mm. And that record, I remember, you know, being heartbroken. But then since 
that they made the record into a dance record. And so yeah. now, now it doesn't bother me as much. Yeah. yeah. But Teardrops, Womack and Womack. Yeah. And then there's perhaps another one. This reminds me, a good friend of mine, Eddie Bernard, died um, last year, I think, the end of last year. And when Eddie passed, he always used to... It's a Stevie Wonder song, it's called Lately. And it's about, yeah, it's it's about a guy who realises that a relationship's not working and yeah. the, the love's going out of that relationship. It's beautiful, beautiful lyrics. But Eddie used to sing it all the time. Yeah, so lately. Those memories. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I've got a couple... Um, I think the biggest one for me is that Freya Ridings track that was, it was on Love Island a few years ago. And well, don't let that put you off. I've but. never seen Love Island and I don't know the track. <laughs> and I can't even remember what it's called now. It's gone out of my head. But every time it comes on, it just, for no reason, it's just a really sad song. That and London Grammar, strong. That's a beautiful song. Don't know that either. I'm so uncool. Uh, well, If it's within the last five years, I probably don't know it. Right, well, we need a little music session mm. after this, don't we? Do, we do, yeah, yeah. And if you were to ever get married again, what would you walk down the aisle to? Okay. Um, off the top of my head, there's a few, I like Lionel Richie and Stevie Wonder and they've done some nice love songs and such, yeah. but probably uh, Better Together by Jack Johnson. So your signature tune. So Patrick McBride walks into the room <laughs> and this starts playing. Hey, just the fonds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Then it would be uh, Jason Derulo and riding solo. And for a long while, I just had that on re repeat in my car for ages. Yeah. I loved it. Loved that track. So I can hear it in my head now. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> really good. It is a great tune. Okay, last one. What's your favourite throwback? And it can be any genre Anytime. I'm a huge fan. I know it's not PC and stuff, but I'm a big fan of rap music because it's part of, you know, in my late teens when I was growing up. Yeah. So I do occasionally stick, you know, NWA, Ice T on, nice. uh, Ice Cube on. Um, there's a track Ice Cube did called No Vaseline, and it's almost like 70s funk with the flute wrapped over, and the lyrics are totally not appropriate, <laughs> and it's brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. I love it. Mm. That's really good. Okay, so what's the funniest thing that's happened to you recently? Funniest thing recently, I was, I won't give all the details of where I was, but I was with somebody mm -hmm. and it was part of a ceremony right. and they started making animal noises right. and the lady will know who it is and she was going, cacao, cacao, uh, not as in cacao the chocolate, as in like a, Some kind a of bird. bird. <laughs> yeah. And also going, <laughs> And kicking her legs in the air. And I laughed for 20 to 30 minutes. Solid. <laughs> I think I would yeah, as well. Yeah. Was she okay though? She's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just in a process of change. She was enjoying the moment, <laughs> clearly. Yeah. I like Diane G. When I did a radio show where they used the expression, I'm in a process of change. And I use that a lot. I think it's great. When you can't really explain something or you... You, you were here, but you're on your way over here and you don't know exactly where you're at. You're just in a process of change. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. It explains everything. It, it gets you so much hot water. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever been in hot water, Patrick? Of course. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I was uh, I was in trouble when I was younger. I've been in trouble. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know what? We've all got a past, though, haven't we? Mm. Yeah. Your past doesn't define you. It's just your view on your journey to the present moment. Yeah. That's all it is. Absolutely. Know. With that in mind, like if you could go back to a certain point in your life, any point, like 
where would it be and what would you say to you to yourself? When you start taking drugs, a lot of people do. My age group, that's what we did. Mm. You know, I know people from other generations judge you for that, but they drank heavily. It's just a different time. Yeah. It doesn't mean they're bad people. In the 60s, they were all at it, weren't they? Yeah, well, a lot of people were taking LSD then yeah. and doing other things. But at that time as well, it, the culture was drinking, going to the pub. Yeah. In the 90s and 2000s, it was clubbing. Yeah. You know, that's what people did. And yeah. they went and they took ecstasy and cocaine and things like this. If I could go back and change things or maybe not change things, but speak to myself. Yeah. I don't think I'd change anything about the early part of that journey because mm. it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And I have fond memories. But the latter part of that journey, 10 years of fun and then 10 years of not so much fun. And that's when it became unhealthy and destructive. And so I'd go back and shape myself and say, snap out of this you know you've you've got a life ahead of you and, and maybe do things differently because I could have been here a decade earlier you know and mm. the fun had stopped at that point it wasn't so much fun it yeah. became unhealthy yeah absolutely but you're all good now though aren't you I am indeed yeah that's good that's good if you could have one superpower I love this question but if mm. you could have one superpower what would it be and then what would you do with it Initially, I would have said telekinesis, to move objects with my mind, to move matter, to influence the material world by thought. Mm -hmm. And then I realized we all do that anyway. We create our own reality. Your thoughts create your reality. And this is now proven with the slit experiment at, you know, particle physics, subatomic physics. If you know anything about quantum physics and mechanics, you'll know that when they fire electrons, with a, they have a gun that can fire single particles, electrons. And if there's somebody in the room, it influences what mm. happens to that. Mm. So on a subatomic level, at a quantum level, our thoughts create our reality. That's that's proven. Yeah, yeah. So we do that anyway. We just haven't got mastery of it. Yeah. So going on from that then, I would like to, I think if you had a superpower, it would just be simply to read somebody's mind. Yeah. Because nobody can bullshit you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and is that why? <laughs> because I'd like to think, well, if you knew what everybody was thinking... You'd, you'd streamline your, your A-team straight away, wouldn't you? You'd only surround yourself with people that are full of love. So what would you do with that, though, then? Like, you've got that one power, then what would you go forward and do with it? <laughs> when you were a kid, I remember <laughs> thinking, oh, you can see through people's clothes and stuff. That's You're a kid, you know. <laughs> I know but, you guys that say that now. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. But I, I think, yeah, definitely, if you had a power of any description, it seems crazy, but let's say you did, then... To use that power for your own, you know, means is, is fine to a degree. But, yeah. I mean, we, there's a lot wrong with this world. We need to fix it. And there's people that do have powers to fix it. Sadhguru is one of those people that's yeah. changing the world. He's possibly on a path like Gandhi was where he's he's got massive influence now. Yeah. And he's making the world a better place. Yeah. And so I think anybody, it, an example would be, it's not a superpower, but if you want the lottery tonight yeah. and it's 129 million on yeah. the euro millions and you won that money you do not need millions and millions of pounds even if okay keep 29 million the other 100 million yeah you could end world hunger you could mm. you could do a lot of things you could certainly put a big dent in it you could yeah. change the lives of many people and so you're if you had a superpower if you had the ability if you had that quantity of money mm. then i think it's your duty to help people i mean yeah. that's why we're here that's that's your number one job is Absolutely. to look after yourself first because if you're not operating correctly you can't work if you're not operating well if this isn't working properly you're not going to be able to help other people yeah. but once you are once you've got a little bit a little once you have a little bit of degree of inner mastery and you're operating well then your second 
priority in your list, number one. Number two yeah. is help other people. Absolutely. So, that, that, I mean, that's leading me on to a good question then. What, what would you do if you won the lottery? There's lots of vulnerable groups, but the two groups that are most vulnerable for me are animals and children, mm. you know. Yeah. And seeing anybody abuse an animal upsets me greatly. Heartbreaking. In any way. And I have seen it and I then feel violence towards that human mm, because mm, yeah. this is a defenseless creature that yeah. expresses only love. Yeah. The same with a child. A child's born into this world. It's like a sponge. The child is growing and evolving at a very rapid rate. And you feed it love. You look after that child and you put it in a nice environment and it's soaking that up. Yeah. You feed it negativity. You mistreat that child or you abuse that child. Yeah. And that child is soaking that up. Yeah. And then... That pattern quite often repeats later on in life, does. you know. Yeah. And so, yeah, it would be to help. Exactly, it's charity. I'm not sure. Yeah. But if I had a large amount of money, yeah, I'd like to keep some of it, you know, so that I can do what I love. Beyond that, the rest are put to good use because you don't want to. One thing you don't want to do is die with hundred million quid in the bank. Absolutely. What would be the point in that? You've yeah. done nothing, and then as you die, half of it, forty percent or sixty percent, go yeah. to the government anyway. Yeah. Sod that. Spend it now. You know exactly. what I mean? Change the world. Do what you can. Make it a better place. It's your duty. Absolutely. I went to Sri Lanka on my honeymoon years ago and uh, they've got a real problem with um, dogs over there, just wild dogs. Yeah. And I saw one one day and it was this tiny little puppy and I'd gone to visit a temple and it was the tiniest little thing and it broke my heart, Patrick. Yeah. And I cried. This is how empathic I am. I cried, I cried for about half a day. And then from that day on, as I said, if I ever won the lottery, that's what I would do is yeah. I would set up a big dog's home in Sri Lanka. And, yeah. you know, amongst other things, of course, depending on how much I'd won. But I, I'd been conditioned for a long time as I've grown up to not get attached to people, right? Because I moved around a lot and for other reasons. And so... I was able to detach, right? It's like a self-preservation mechanism, I think, yeah, you know, yeah. it's to protect yourself. Yeah. And then we recently got a dog, Bruno, a chihuahua, and I fell in love with him straight away. Just beautiful, beautiful, mm. beautiful little man. And then, unfortunately, four weeks in, um, Willow's had allergies with dogs before, but they've always been uh, long-haired dogs when they molt. Yeah. Four weeks in, even though he was short heard, the allergy flared up, rashes and eyes watering, not being able to sleep and so on. And so we he's now at a place called Rockwood, which is a farm in Wales where they train dogs for television. So I remember talking to somebody crying, just saying, he's going to be a movie star. He's going to be a movie star. But um, yeah, I, I let my guard down and I got attached to Bruno and it, Broke my heart. I couldn't stop crying for a week. I'm a grown yeah. man. And I've I've had several people die this year. I've not shed a tear, yeah. you know, because I accept death. But that connection I had with was yeah. so strong, you know. And, yeah, so, yeah, I love dogs. Yeah, I'm right there with you on the dogs. Mm. So one last question, Patrick. Sure. And you probably already answered this, but what is your motto for life? I think the one that I use... Two that I use most often is, first of all, just a day at a time. Take it a day at a time. If you look too far ahead, it can be overwhelming when you see all the things that you've got to overcome. Just get through the day. If you're having a bad day, just take it an hour at a time and just get through the day. A day at a time. Breathe. A day at a time. Tomorrow is another day. Absolutely. And the second one is that 
it's all just a dream anyway. <laughs> if you take life too seriously, it will kill you, you know. If you take it dead serious, it will kill you. You have to laugh. You have to laugh at yourself. You have to see mm. the funny side in everything. No matter how dark times get, yeah. you've got to laugh. Yeah, Laughter is the best medicine. And so, yeah, there's nothing wrong with finding something funny. It's healthy. Yeah, I laugh at myself all the time. I'm a bloody fool. <laughs> That's why we get on so well. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. Well, thank you, Patrick. Been my pleasure. I've had a blast. Sally, you've uh, you nailed it. Well done. And uh, I've, I've really enjoyed that. I feel good because I sort of get it. Rather than just hosting the show, I get a turn. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it felt good. Well, thank you very much for inviting me. Good luck to your other hosts. And thank you, everyone, for watching. And see you very soon. Shalom. Boom. Boom. You nailed it. <laughs> awesome.